Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome indeed to The Inner Life today. Here on this Thursday of the fifth week of Easter, I'm Josh Raymond. A big thank you to Patrick Conley, who sat in the last few days while I was able to spend some time at home with my family. And, uh, you know, as we start the program today, certain people just have fascinating lives, don't they? It might be what they've accomplished, or maybe it's because of something they've created or they've invented. Perhaps that they, they, they just had that one sole focus, and they devoted their life in pursuit of that one thing, and then they excelled at it. Or it could be ideas. They wrote down ideas, thoughts that they have, and those have changed the way that humans look at life ever since that time. Who's that one person that comes to, you, to mind for you, that fascinating man or woman? Maybe you've read a biography or two about them. Some people will even make a sort of pilgrimage to different locations associated with a favorite person, like the half a million people that visit Graceland each year to see the home of Elvis. And biographies, they're one of the best-selling genres of books still. We as humans were captivated by the lives of those people who have risen above the average masses into some sort of notoriety, whether that's good or bad. This might be a, pre a past president of the U.S. It might be an inventor like Thomas Edison or Nikola Tesla. On the other hand, sometimes we're fascinated by people who are not so good. Maybe somebody in organized crime like Al Capone or Lucky Luciano. If you're learning about the life of someone who came into the public eye because of the crimes they committed, psychologists say that we're drawn to these sorts of biographies and these documentaries so that we can try and understand what makes a criminal, why they act the way they do. And then when we have a little better insight into their mindset, into their behaviors, then we can be on guard and better protect ourselves. Now, on the other hand, when we read about somebody who has excelled in some area of life, where this has brought them to the attention of the public, that's where we are inspired. We look at their success and we ask ourselves questions. What can I learn from them? How did they do what they do so well? Could I do something like that? This is exactly what happened to one of the spiritual giants in the Catholic Church, St. Ignatius of Loyola. You might be familiar with his story about how he had been a soldier. He was someone who wanted to be this gallant war hero, had these ideas of chivalry. But after being injured in a battle and while he was convalescing, he asked for something to read. And one of the books that he was given, it was a book dealing with the lives of the saints. And reading about the, those saints, 
these people who had lived heroic lives of virtue, it inspired Ignatius to give up this idea of being a hero on the battlefield, and now he wanted to be a hero for the kingdom of God. Well, today we, we hope to follow the lead of St. Ignatius. We're going to look at the lives of a few well-known saints, people who have given us an example that, yes, you indeed can live a holy life. Yes, through prayer, through the sacraments, through discipline, through faith, by living united with Christ. You can walk that same path and impact the world around you by sharing the love of Christ. And during this hour, we also hope to hear from you about some of the saints who have inspired you on your faith journey. And joining us this hour as our spiritual director, I'm very glad to welcome to The Inner Life for his debut, his very first time here with us, Father Augustine Reisenauer. Father Augustine is a Dominican priest in the province of St. Joseph, and he's an assistant professor of theology at Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island. Father Augustine, welcome to the program. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you very much, Josh, for having me on your program and welcoming me to it. Well, and so since this is your first time, uh, I always like to just get to know the priests a little bit better, um, inter- you know, give give uh, our listeners a chance to get to know you as well. So can you tell us a little about yourself? You're in Providence, Rhode Island right now. Have you always lived in the northeastern U.S.? No, actually, I'm originally from Washington State. So, um, I'm Oh, at- where in Washington? A little town called Wenatchee, Washington is my hometown. Oh, right yeah. in the middle of the I know state. that. I lived uh, right next to Clarkston, Washington, so you're probably Great. familiar with that too. For yeah, sure, yeah, for beautiful, sure. beautiful Pacific Northwest area out there. So, it's so how'd you country, make yes. it from? It, it absolutely <laughs> is. Yep. How'd you make it from Washington uh, out to Providence? What was the road for you? Yeah, great question. So I went to the mid. I went to uh, eastward to the Midwest for my uh, education for my uh, college education at the University of Notre Dame. And then stayed on there for another uh, degree, getting my master's in theological studies. Um, and then God introduced me to the Dominican Order, uh, Order of Preachers. Um, and that was really inspirational, inspirational for me. So I joined the order and uh, committed myself to um, this, the eastern province, the province of St. Joseph. Uh, so was drawn even further east um, and have been assigned to Providence College ever since my ordination to the priesthood about 10 years ago, this month, actually. So, Very good. And so, uh, as we're going to be talking here about saints, um, first of all, do you have one all-time favorite saint? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think our mother would be disappointed if I didn't, didn't say Mary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. She has to be number uh, one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, um, but then, of course, I've taken the, the religious name Augustine um, when I entered the order. So that was the name given to me at, um, during my novitiate year. Um, and I've really been inspired by him, really impacted by his own story. Um, and so cultivating a spiritual friendship with him has been um, very helpful um, in this journey of um, the Christian life, but also in particular in the priesthood. Um, I just really resonate with his own kind of journey um, and also the various kind of gifts he was given um, intellectually to really try to plunge the depths of the mysteries 
of our faith and to articulate them and explore them. Um, that is something that I also am trying to do as um, a Dominican, but also a, in a particular way as uh, a developing theologian, you know, giving myself sure. to the, the life of theology. Um, so he's, yeah, he's one who comes immediately to mind, but a number of other Dominican saints as well. Um, I really am particularly fond of a blessed Henry Suso, a medieval Dominican mystic, um, who I found his own kind of writings, um, his life story very inspirational as well. So, with before we get into and and we want to look at the life of Saint Augustine uh, here um, to begin our conversation, but you mentioned a phrase that as you've grown to cultivate this spiritual friendship with Saint Augustine, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we can start there in our conversation. How do we cultivate a spiritual friendship with a saint? Because for so many of us, you know, I, I mentioned reading different biographies, or you might watch a documentary on somebody who lived in the past, and we look and say, well, that that's this person, they lived in the past. How do we kind of get ourselves out of this mindset of, well, that's what they did, and get into a mindset of, I can get to know this person actively and have this this spiritual friendship with them in the here and now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, well, like any relationship, right, it's going to involve both parties. And so um, it's not simply the case that I desire to form a friendship with a saint and it all of the kind of energy comes from me and my own kind of seeking inspiration or seeking a model to imitate. Um, I also think that it's very true that the saints choose us, um, that the mm-hmm. saints are living, <laughs> living a life that is actually, um, in some sense, a more intense life because they're living a life in God, eternal life. Um, and so it is also the case, and probably more the case, that they seek our friendship as well, maybe more than we seek theirs. Um, and so um, that kind of receptivity to the saints' own initiatives um, as a way to kind of be open to the cultivation of the friendship, so that it actually is a friendship and not something that is actually closed in on, closed in on itself, as if I'm using the saint for my own kind of self-interest without seeing that this is actually a living relationship. It's actually a friendship. And like any good friendship, um, it involves both, both people, both parties. How do you, how do you find, how do you, how do you, I guess, open yourself up to be receptive Mm. to that saint that might want to be involved in your life? You just don't know it yet. Right. I think part of it is just, um, having a greater attention and attentiveness to the different ways that God providentially is leading each of our individual lives and the ways that, you know, we're following, following Christ along a common path, but also in a very particular and individual way. Um, and so if I happen to be, for example, um, a priest, or if I happen to be a mother, if I happen to be a student, if I happen to be a child or somebody who's elderly, I can look at some of those saints and the ways that they they kind of sh- stand out in a very kind of exceptional way and manifest maybe some of the things that I happen to be going through right now in my life um, or things that I that really resonate with my own experience. Um, and so 
I can kind of gravitate towards learning more about a particular saint, reading their writings, um, reading about their own lives, um, and maybe perhaps even cultivating some of the similar or even the same spiritual practices, whether it's prayer, whether it's works of mercy, whether the works of charity, um, the different kind of models, the different kind of ways that they followed Christ in their distinctive way. Um, that can be a way or, yeah, part of the way to kind of connecting with them and being open to that. They're the same as working um, in, my, in, my, in my life. Beautiful. Well, again, we're talking with Father Augustine Reisenauer here on The Inner Life today, and how we can look to the saints, how they can inspire us, uh, what they can communicate to us and help us on our path growing in holiness, of course, uh, the end goal that we know, love, and serve God better, and that we can be happy in the life to come. Of course, happy in this life, too. Our ultimate happiness is found in Christ. Uh, what about you? What saint has inspired you? Which one has been an example for you? Um, you know, just, just living a Christian life, resisting sin and temptation, uh, serving Christ, serving the church. Is there a saint that has been instrumental in your growth as a Catholic, as a Christian, in your knowledge of the faith, maybe? Our studio line that you can call in and join the program is 888 888-914-9149. Uh, Father Augustine, we wanted to talk about St. Augustine, and so just to begin with, can you give us kind of the thumbnail sketch of his life? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, so St. Augustine is probably one of the most influential uh, theologians of the Church. Um, He was um, somebody who was trained in rhetoric, so the art of persuasive speech, and so his theology is really um, it's very rhetorical. It's really meant not only to enlighten the mind with truth, but also to move move the heart um, towards towards God, towards Christ. Um, and this is something that he himself experienced in his own life, his own journey. That um, he found himself really distant from God, um, especially in his adolescence. Um, straying from God, according, living according to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the worldly ambition, the, these three sins of um, 1 John 2.16. Um, and he really struggled really to gain, um, really, he really to gain a way towards wisdom. He really was interested in pursuing wisdom, but it wasn't until he... Um, encountered Christ working in his life, that he was able to shed in a very gradual way those three sins, the last of which was um, the lust of the flesh. Um, And it was an experience of God's grace in Christ that really freed him to do what he was unable to do in and of himself. Um, Really, Augustine experienced the grace of Christ in a profound way, reading um, the letter to the Romans, um, commanding him to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Um, so a very dramatic conversion scene um, in his young adulthood that then catalyzed him to go to promote um, the interests of Christ, really to really to um, preach the gospel, really to develop um, the, the theology of the Church in very important ways. Um, 
all for the sake of um, really finding a way towards wisdom, a, a place where he, where his own heart, which was very restless until it found Christ, could come to be satisfied in, a, in, in rest. Um, so very profound conversion story that was facilitated by God's grace and by the instrumentality of people like Monica and Ambrose. You know, one of the things I remember reading years ago, and this is William Jurgens. he compiled this three-volume set of books called The Faith of the Early, Early Fathers, mm. and something that I read by him, it just really stuck with me. He said, mm. if, if we were faced with the unlikely proposition of having to destroy completely either the works of Augustine or the works of all the other fathers and writers, I have little doubt that all others would have to be sacrificed. Augustine mm. must remain. Of all the fathers, it is Augustine who is the most erudite, who has the most remarkable theological insights, and mm. who is effectively most prolific. And yeah, when that when I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, I I, I guess I need to read some more Augustine here. Um, so what what makes him stand above the rest? You know, can you help us understand why? all the things that he wrote, why it's so important to our understanding of the faith. Right, yeah. And actually, um, the fact that we have Augustine's works that have survived from the 5th century, this is a time, Augustine died in the year 430 um, in Hippo, in North Africa, when the city was being besieged by um, Aryan vandals. So, um, the fact that his library survived is almost a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> the fact that we have all of his corpus. Um, and what is so prominent about Augustine and his writings is that he is somebody who really is a theologian who is, he's writing um, in the very concrete um, situation that he finds himself responding to the needs of the church and the needs of his um, his neighbor, uh, trying to articulate um, basically answers to the deepest questions that humans could ever ask about, about God, about the human person, about human community, um, about creation, about sin, about salvation. Um, and so he's somebody who is really persistent and relentless in um, delving very deeply into the profoundest questions. And so I think that that is something that is very attractive. Uh, that's what makes Augustine very attractive as a, as a writer. Um, okay. And he does it in a very moving way in his own rhetorical style of theology. So if he's asking all these questions that are the most important, most fundamental questions that humans would ask at any point in history. What are some of the themes of his teachings, of his writings? What are some of the answers that he might give that we should take away? Mm. What does he want to tell us? Right. Yeah, so I think one of the themes that is at the heart of Augustine's theology is really about love. He sees that in there are basically two kinds of love. Right, the love of oneself, even to the contempt of God, right? That is a kind of a false kind of love, a perverse kind of love, um, that is really um, connected with pride. This, this, the pride for Augustine is not something that's good. It's actually 
a perversion of love um, that is a desire to replace God with oneself, right? Living a very self-interested life, um, privileging oneself above God and above the neighbor. The other kind of love for Augustine um, that is foundational is the love of God, even to the contempt of oneself. And so this is a, a good kind of love, the truest kind of love. It's an ordered kind of love, whereby I, as a lover, refer myself and all things, all creatures, back to God, right, as the origin and the end of all things. And so Augustine sees that these two kinds of love are at the heart of constructing two different kinds of cities. So the city of God and the the earthly city. Um, and the love are, these two loves are in some sense mixed within each heart of each person, <laughs> as long as we're living this life, you know. Um, and part of the journey of the human person through the course of this life is really to let the love of God increase and let the, the perverse love of self diminish and die out. Um, and all of this is facilitated and actually enabled by the of sharing in the, the very love of God in Christ, the very Trinitarian kind of shaped the, the human, human journey. So as you're talking about this, there's a couple of things that come to mind. You mentioned City of God, you know, that's that's one of mm-hmm. the books of St. Augustine. I think most people would be uh, commonly familiar with his autobiography, his confessions, um, but there's so much more out there from him. Uh, and so I guess I have a couple of questions here, because I remember I tried to pick up one version of the confessions of St. Augustine, and I found it pretty dry, mm-hmm. and then I ended up finally coming across another translation, and it just brought the language so much more to life. So I, I, I guess there's a couple of things here. One is um, where, if somebody if somebody is wanting to read anything from St. Augustine, mm-hmm. where should they start? But then also the translation can be important. Do you have you know, like right. a favorite translator that you look to that really brings, you know, some of the rhetoric that you're talking about there, the the poetic language that he can use at times, you know, the, the alliteration, all those different things, kind of bring those into an English translation? Right, yeah. So I would say to start with Augustine, there's no better place to start than the Confessions for somebody who has no experience of reading Augustine, because there you get a sense of not only... Um, what he has to say, but also who he is, his own story. Um, and then um, in terms of the the translation, probably the best translation in English for any of Augustine's works are those of um, the works of St. Augustine for the 20, 21st century that is put out by the New City Press um, in from uh, Hyde Park, New York, that this this series is really the most kind of the best kind of um, translations um, by scholars who are attentive not only to the content, but also to the style and trying to communicate um, in some of the rhetorical force uh, of Augustine's Latin that um, can sometimes be lost in translation, but they do a very good job. Um, And there's a number of different translators and scholars who, who are working on this ongoing series. 
Okay. And then if if somebody's already familiar with confessions, any ideas that you might recommend as far as a second or a third book of, of you know, where they could really kind of pick up on something that is accessible, uh, maybe not too, too deep theologically, but something that allows them to encounter some of those themes that you were talking about from St. Augustine? I think one of the works or the kind of bodies of works that is often overlooked in Augustine that's very accessible are his homilies. His homilies really present, they're very digestible. You can read his homilies, um, you know, in, in a series, um, and they're very accessible, yet they're still very theologically sophisticated. He really is, in his preaching, trying to communicate some of these very... Um, sophisticated insights that we find elsewhere, for example, in his book on the Trinity or his the City of God, but in a very kind of accessible way to the ordinary Catholic Christian that he would find in his congregation. So his homilies are another good good place, but also classical are, yeah, the ones I mentioned, the Trinity is very famous, um, the City of God, but they're massive works, and so having... Yes, they're huge. <laughs> yeah, they're very hard to... Re- yeah, they're very... They take a lot of commitment. Um, and so somebody who is looking at, you know, maybe going on to study those other works, it might be good to find um, uh, some kind of guide or some kind of, like, synopsis of the works to help kind of direct the reading so that you, um, th- somebody could read... Uh, parts of it, but maybe not be overwhelmed by the whole sure, of it sure. at the first time. Yeah. yeah. That's a great recommendation. Uh, talking today with Father Augustine Reisenauer here on The Inner Life. He's a, a Dominican priest and an assistant professor of theology at Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island, talking about some of the s- saints who inspire us, who help us to know our faith better, help us to grow closer to God. Which saint has inspired you? Which one has been an example for you in your life, uh, maybe has been instrumental in your spiritual growth? You can give us a call at 888-914-9149, Coming up next, we're going to talk about another famous saint, St. Dominic, that's coming up here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Thomas Engesser, both who are helping to produce the program today. And thank you for listening and being a part of the program, too. Uh, today, talking about the saints, those saints that inspire us. Which saint has inspired you? Who's that favorite saint that has taught you in your spiritual life? 
888-914-9149 is the phone number to call to join the program. 888-914-9149 or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. Our spiritual director today is Father Augustine Reisenauer, a Dominican priest and an assistant professor of theology at Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, Father, before we jump into the life of St. Dominic, let's go to the phones. We've got Tom, who's calling in from Joliet, Illinois. Tom, thanks for joining us here on the program today. Well, thank you, Josh, and, and, and Father Augustine. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, I feel that I've been kind of drawn to certain saints, um, especially Padre Pio. Um, I knew a priest that did a mass with him back uh, during World War II with a bunch of sol- soldiers, and it's kind of a unique story, but I know I'm limited on time. Um, there's fa- uh, Father uh, Solanus Casey, who I uh, somehow found by mistake, uh, not mistake, sorry, found on the Internet one day, and I can relate to him. Um, he had a hard time with... Uh, uh, the German vocabulary uh, during the, the, the Franciscan order to do confessions. And I myself had problems with, you know, certain languages that I had to take in school. <laughs> but um, my my name being Thomas, uh, St. Thomas, middle name St. Joseph, uh, I relate to both of them. Um, and you're right, uh, they've come into my life through unusual means and uh i sit down and i i almost like just talk to them as if they're my best friend and so many times uh i've come out of situations wondering how it it happened and uh and i've kiddingly told friends of mine that i will pray to any saint that'll listen to me and uh they're all like uh specialists in their their uh field you know with everything that's going on and i kind of situations in my life that I need help or whatever, and I'll go or I'll look up a, a saint that's in that situation or has been through that situation and uh, ask for, you know, guidance uh, and to help me through a particular situation. And I can go on and on about a lot of different saints, and I, uh, I think that's a tool in our lives that we so much are missing or not using uh, to get us through, and it's just prayer. You know, prayer in, in, in itself is is amazing. It's the uh, easiest thing we can do with the greatest rewards in life, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I just want to say thank you for all you do, and and I'm so glad to hear this um, today because I've been wanting to just say something or talk to somebody about it and uh because a lot of people don't understand i think mm-hmm. but uh but thank you uh father and uh keep up the good work and josh thank you for having me on on your show and and just i uh, pray for you uh both of you and i my mother prayed for everybody and anybody she knew uh mm. If she didn't Tom, even know her, know them. That's, that's uh, so beautiful. Thanks for calling in, Tom. And uh, Father Augustine, a yeah. uh, number of different saints that he threw out there. Um, Solanus Casey, yeah. a, a remarkable story there, um, you know, being that, that porter, um, because he was thought to not be smart enough to, you know, be able to celebrate the sacraments mm-hmm. with uh, the other priests. Um, Padre Pio, yeah. again, just a, a beautiful life that was lived for 
for God and, you know, um, especially the focus on confession. So many di- different great mm-hmm. names. Right. Yeah, thanks, Tom, for sharing the some of your friends, some of your saint friends. And I love what you said, too, about how this all these saints, you know, the communion of saints really inspires us, they help us, but they also give us a sense of great belonging, you know, the sense that none of us is alone. You know, when we have we have each other, you know, as a church on earth, but it is one and the same church as the saints in heaven. And so um, the first saint you mentioned, St. Padre Pio, also has impacted my own life. Um, when I was a senior in college, I lived in a group, in a house, a home, uh, with five other men, um, and our house was called Padre Pio House. So it was a very intentional Catholic community. Um, and in some regards, I think that Padre Pio and St. Francis, uh, they led me to the Dominican order, that it was actually first getting to know the mendicant tradition through the Franciscans that actually um, drew me in closer to St. Dominic and uh, to find my own vocation. So I, I really... Um, resonate as well with with what you said, Tom, about that with um, Padre Pio. Well, and I'll even share my own Padre Pio story here too, Um, uh, Father Augustine. uh, I'm a convert to the faith, and when I was first starting to learn about the Catholic Church, I was married, my wife, she was a cradle Catholic, and when I think she discerned that I wouldn't be too resistant to having a rosary. She happened to buy me a Padre Pio rosary, mm. and that was my very first one that kind of introduced me to that beautiful prayer devotion. Um, so, yeah, if I, it sounds like Padre Pio is kind of the man of the hour right here for the moment. Um, Father Augustine, again, our, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, and Father, let's talk about St. Dominic for a moment here, founder of your order. order. Um, can you tell us a little about his life? Sure. Yeah. So St. Dominic, um, he was a preacher and, um, that's kind of his fundamental identity was somebody who, whose whole being, his whole life was really, had been shaped by the word of God and so shaped that he couldn't contain it, that he had to share it and spread it. Um, and the way that he came about um, to found this order of preachers um, was he was traveling, he was a canon, a priest, um, and he was traveling with his bishop across southern France as a kind of diplomatic um, mission to arrange a marriage between um, royalty. And when he went um, through southern France, he encountered a group of heretics um, called the Albigensians. And the Albigensians were basically a revival of a, a heresy from antiquity, um, basically a, a form of a dualism that considered um, that what was material was substantially evil <laughs> and what was spirit was substantially good. And so the Albigensians did not affirm the goodness of material reality you know, as created by God. And so um, Dominic was inspired really to preach against this, preach against this error, because, um, you know, our the faith of the church and scripture itself 
um, affirms that all things, all reality is God's gift, is, is a product of God's own goodness. Um, and it's meant to be saved, right? That, that we believe in the resurrection of the flesh um, and the, the creation, the recreation of the heavens and the earth. Um, and so uh, Dominic founded this order to really um, correct this mistaken ideas, these heretical ideas, um, and he established, you know, he first established uh, the the nuns. So the Dominican order has both men and women. Um, he established the nuns who were the first com- um, group of nuns who were converts from the Albigensian groups. And he gathered them together in uh, the cloister to pray and to um, lead the life of contemplation. Um, and then a few years later, he founded the order of preachers for the the priests and the brothers. Um, and really, that is his the charism of Dominic is really about preaching. That it's really about um, speaking the word in a kind of sophisticated and contemplative way to be able to respond to the deepest desires of um, hum- humans um, in the here and now. So that they can be um, along, advanced along the, the road to salvation. Um, so very famously, um, Dominic's mother had a, a dream uh, while she was pregnant with Dominic of giving birth to a dog who, in his mouth, had a torch, and this dog was running around the world, setting the world on fire. That's kind of an icon for Dominic's own person and actually the whole order of preachers as a whole, that the preachers, the Dominican preacher, is really meant to bring the light and the torch of the gospel and to set, set on fire and to increase um, in intensity the, the world with the gospel and the truth of, of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, so much of St. Dominic's life seems to be devoted to... Uh, equipping and training and bringing up these preachers, you know, this order of preachers, is there something that a lay person would look at in the life of St. Dominic and say, yeah, that's, that's the thing that really speaks to me? What, what do you think would be the takeaway for the average lay person? So actually there are, um, the Dominican order is open also to lay, lay members, so married uh, men and women and single men and women um, can become tertiaries, you know, third order Dominicans. Um, so, but even if somebody doesn't feel called to become an uh, official member, there's a lot of different ways that Dominic can really um, kind of be helpful towards anybody who's really um, wanting to be leaven in society, really to bring the gospel to the various corners in their own particular way. Um, because Dominic was somebody who was very attentive to not only preaching kind of from the pulpit, which he did, um, but he was also, any kind of activity for Dominic was a preaching moment, to be able to share the gospel with somebody, even in very familiar or casual conversation. So, for example, there's a story of Dominic um, spending, <laughs> staying up all night to speak in conversation with um an Albigensian innkeeper. And, you know, he didn't go to bed. He stayed up all night to 
engage in this conversation. And at the end of the night, when dawn broke, the Albigensian had been convinced by Dominic's preaching, which is very conversational. It was really this one-on-one conversation, and that converted him to the Catholic Church. Um, and so, well, that's that's what everybody wants when they're having a conversation. Right. Everybody wants. Well, if I can just convert this yeah. person right now, if if they could just listen to what I'm saying, because it makes so yeah. much sense. Most mm-hmm. of the time, it's not going to happen in one night. Right, and that's an exceptional. Yeah, it was an exceptional kind of grace. Um, and so, part of the the difficulty of preaching, the challenge is that the preacher is somebody who is a sower. Right, just somebody who preaches the words, sows the seeds, and knowing, just like Jesus says in the gospel, that the seed might fall on different kinds of ground. Right. And it might be the case that something I said or some way I preached in my very through my actions, through my demonstration of love, um, that that might not take root and grow for maybe year until years down the road. Um, but that's kind of the 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 blessing and the the challenge of the preacher is just being generous in in and being bold in some regards of just living the word and saying the word um right telling it like it is love. sure yeah the yeah. truth and love yep uh, okay, Father Augustine, um, before we move on here to the third person we want to talk about, if somebody wants to learn more about St. Dominic, uh, wants to encounter him, get to know him, any recommended starting point for reading more about him? Um, so there is uh, a book by Guy Bedwell called uh, The Grace uh, let me see. The Grace of the Word or The Preacher of the Word. Um, Guy Bidwell has a great biography on St. Dominic um, that really kind of captures not only his history, but also the the very spirituality of, of St. Dominic. Um, but there's also a, a lot of other different kind of... Um, B. Jarrett also has a book called The Life of St. Dominic, um, which is also very good. Um, they're both manageable read, reads. Good. Good. Excellent. Again, talking with Father Augustine Reisenauer today. He's a Dominican priest, an assistant uh, professor of theology at Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island, talking about those saints that inspire us today. One more to go. Uh, We're going to be talking about Servant of God, Dorothy Day. Coming up next here on The Inner Life, you're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining The Inner Life today here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. If you joined us partway through the hour here, you can go back and find the podcast. It'll be posted just shortly after the show concludes. You can find it at RelevantRadio.com, our website, or on the Relevant Radio app. Today, talking about those saints that can inspire us to grow closer to God, can help us in our spiritual journey, and our spiritual director for the hour is Father Augustine Reisenauer, a Dominican priest. And uh, we've already talked about St. Augustine, we've talked about St. Dominic, and the third person that we wanted to look at today, Father, is someone 
kind of on that beginning of the path to sainthood, uh, the cause for canonization has been opened for her, Servant of God, Dorothy Day. Uh, she's somebody who lived in uh, most of our, you know, our lifetime. Uh, you know, anybody who was born before 1980, that's when she died. So very, very contemporary person working for the kingdom of God. Can you give us kind of that brief uh, outline of her life? Sure. Yeah, so Dorothy Day also has a very compelling conversion story that she grew up in a home that was not religious. And she, as a young woman, became um, a radical, became an activist, really interested in improving the conditions of the workers and the poor. Um, so she kind of gravitated towards and um, various communists and socialist circles. And it was she shifted her radicalism um, when she actually ended up being drawn by God into the Catholic Church. So um, at the time at, when she was a young woman, she basically had a common-law husband, and she was expecting a daughter. And she had a very good sense of, of having a natural happiness, really being content with life. But that wasn't sufficient for her. She wanted something more. She wanted the supernatural happiness that only the love of God in Christ can give. And so she sacrificed that love of her life, um, her husband, and wanted to have her daughter baptized. And she ended up joining her daughter and entering the, the Catholic Church. And she shifted her radicalism then to beginning with Peter Morin um, to co-found this Catholic, Catholic worker movement, which was really uh, about direct service to the poor in a very personalist manner, uh, but also disseminating ideas, discussing ideas in conversation and through the newspaper, the Catholic Worker newspaper, and also kind of reconnecting with the land. So establishing these farming communes for families to have a, a very a communal life structured on um, around the spiritual uh, life of, of that was um, taking place in the chapel on these these farms. You know, she has um, in her autobiography. She talks about her searching years, mm -hmm. and as you're talking about that radical conversion that she went through, I think it it it's really important to you know even with Augustine, Saint Augustine that we talked about at the beginning of the hour. You talked about how his conversion was gradual. Hers is this kind of meandering path eventually, you know, going from living this bohemian life to where she finally finds herself in the church. But I think that gives all of us hope, you know, that mm. uh, whether it's us ourselves or if we're looking at a loved one that is strayed away from the faith, it might be a long journey, but that's okay. You know, God can still work with that, and he can still bring good from it in the end. Right, that's right. And she has this kind of, this image of God that she borrows, you know, from the hound of heaven. And so God's relentless pursuit of her, um, not letting her be satisfied with just um, a partial happiness or a natural happiness, but really God working in her life in a very gracious way, very gradually, and through these various kinds of people um, that she encountered, 
who inspired her to towards the Catholic Church. Um, it was something that was a journey, and like any journey, um, it can't be necessarily predicted from the outset, right? Um, and so there is that element of hope, right? The hope for anybody that no matter where they are wandering, you know, even away from God from um, for, from a distance, God is not far from them. You know, he's he's yeah. continually at work in his mercy, um, even unbeknownst to them, like Augustine or Dorothy Day. Like only at, in retrospect were they able to see God leading them, you know, towards these moments of, of great conversion. Right. Uh, any other important themes that you think we could learn from the life of Dorothy Day if we're not familiar with her? I think Dorothy is a woman who is radically committed to the fullness of the church and its life. And so she shows in a kind of inspirational way the integration of the work, the spiritual works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy, that she's somebody who is concerned for both the soul and the body. Um, it's not an either or, it's a both and. It's not either or. Right. And so the kind of the wealth of the Catholic social tradition is something that she was wanting to put into practice and to embody as a kind of a leaven within society to really build a new society within the shell of the old. Because in America of her time, which is very similar to the America of today, um, there are some things that are antithetical to the vision of the human person and the vision of the human community that Christ has revealed to us and entrusted to the church. And so Dorothy is she doesn't compromise that, that the fullness of that vision. Um, and so she really is a challenge, <laughs> a prophetic challenge in many ways um, for especially American Catholics really to, um, but also inspirational, right? To kind of, to see Christ in a very radical way, even at the cost of self-sacrifice. Yeah. We're down to our last minute here, but her autobiography is The Long Loneliness. Any other writings or books that you might recommend that are by Dorothy Day or about her? She has another book called Lows and Fishes, which is very good. Um, and then um, another work by Peter Morin, so her um, co-founder of the Catholic Co founder right. Um, he has a book of essays called Easy Essays, which are very entertaining, but also delightful, but also very insightful. Excellent, excellent. Well, Father Augustine Reisenauer, I am so glad that you could join us here on the program today. Uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind tour of uh, three of these different people that devoted so much of their life and their efforts to God and the kingdom of God. Uh, we've got about 40 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners as we conclude the hour? Oh, it looks like we just lost Father Augustine there. So, uh, well, I, I will just simply, again, say thank you to Father Augustine for his time. And uh, if you joined us late in the hour and you'd like to go back and listen to any part of the hour, go back and find the podcast. It'll be posted shortly here on RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And I hope you can join us tomorrow here. Uh, Father Joseph Isla will be back with us once again. We're going to look ahead to the upcoming gospel reading on Sunday and how we can in, uh, grow in devotion to the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. So I hope you can join us tomorrow here on The Inner Life and have a blessed rest of your afternoon. <laughs>